This is the FBCG Live Podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, Financial Series Part 2. It is important for us to learn how to handle money during a crisis. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Today is special. Today I've invited one of, one of our most precious members and a friend to me and my wife, her and her family, uh, but they're members. Uh, she's a member of our church for some 22 years, and she plays a critical role uh, in our church, and she has impacted thousands of people's lives. Her name is Michelle Singletary. Uh, she writes for the Washington Post. Her column is syndicated across the country uh, and probably the world, I would imagine, that many people are reading her columns and reading her books. She's an author, uh, and she helps people with their finances. And in the midst of this pandemic, when we've got people off, lost their jobs or on furlough or um, uh, struggling with finances, I wanted to invite her, and she is here, and I'm grateful to have her. Welcome, Michelle, to First Baptist's Sunday service. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here and serving this just wonderful church under your leadership. It's been a pleasure. You you are you, you honor me so much and I do appreciate that. I'm excited to have you today because I know a lot of people are struggling financially. I know people have um, uh, been stressed out. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people are worried and unsure and so I, I wanted to title this session today about how to handle crisis. And while I'm talking about that, let me just mention that Michelle just came out with a brand new book, uh, What to Do with Your Money When Crisis Hits, that I want you to, um, if you haven't gotten this, you need to get this book. Uh, and we're going to be talking about some of the components of this book. We won't be able to cover everything in the limited time that we have, but we are going to spend some time talking about some of the critical issues that she raises in this book. And uh, you can get this book in our bookstore, but I know you can also get it at probably any bookstore That's around right. the country. Anywhere. So mm -hmm. uh, she's a, an accomplished author. Uh, it's called A Survival Guide. And so she has gone through so many significant things in this book. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing her and talking about uh, about this. Why don't you spend a moment and talk about what's in the book, first of sure, all. That, sure, That people are, why should they get this book? Why should people... Uh, uh, run and get this book. Why, why should they do that? You know, I want to just start by when you, you put it on a title crisis, there are people who will think, well, that's not for me. I did okay during the pandemic. But really, a crisis could be anything. And it could be extended family members who are in crisis. So I wanted to structure the book in uh, a way that it would address people who are right in the middle if they've lost their jobs or their income has been disrupted, or maybe their, you know, their spouse has lost their job, um, and then walk you through sort of the present, the past, the future, on how to handle your money, because this too shall pass, right? It, we're gonna get past this crisis, but guess what? Another one is gonna come. It's not a matter of when, but if, you know, if or when. And so I wanted to really kind of guide people to how to handle their money, no matter what's happening in the economy. You know, the hardest time for me to have people save and prepare is when they're doing well. And then when things happen, they're, you know, stressed out because they hadn't prepared before it happened. Amen. And that's so true. Uh, the reality is so many people 
um, you know, will spend every dollar that they take in, all the income that they have, and they have no thoughts of days and seasons when things aren't so well. That's right. And they have no thought that um, uh, I've learned in life that money, uh, money is cyclical. It goes in cycles. You have seasons where you have plenty and you have seasons when you lack. Yeah. And the smart people prepare for the lack seasons when they have plenty. That's right. And so uh, that's one of the principles uh, that we're going to talk. By the way, uh, let me just say this real quick. This is, uh, you know, last week I started with part one of my financial series. This is part two. Uh, and I thought um, uh, every year I try to do a, a financial series. And I'm, sometimes I miss uh, a year here or a year there. But every year I try to remind us and put back in front of our people the importance of how you manage the resources available to you, how you can be smart and survive tough times and difficult days. And this is a critical. So I'm hoping that you'll stay tuned for the remainder of the month. So through uh, these four Sundays, I know we got five Sundays, but the four Sundays here in August, we're going to be talking about finances every week. Uh, the first what well, we did last week, today and the next two Sundays. So I hope that you'll stay with us because you're going to learn some critical lessons. So uh, Michelle has written this book, Sister Singletary has written this book about, uh, about finances and managing uh, resources uh, during uh, and in preparation for um, a crisis. So I have a few questions I wrote down. Sure. <laughs> we have for you that I want to just spend a moment. Uh, here's my first question. We know that the ongoing pandemic was not just a global health crisis, but a crisis of ripple of financial, um, but caused a ripple of financial crisis for people across the globe. Can you lay some foundation on just how bad people have been impacted by financially over this past year and a half? Yeah, what, what has it, happened? it's been devastating for, for lots of people. Tens of millions of people lost their jobs during the height of the pandemic. You know, it kind of hit us around uh, March of uh, 2020. And then through that summer in the fall, tens and millions of people um, lost their job, mostly in the service industry, but then other, you know, associated industries. Um, and, and then people, you know, obviously unemployed if, or their income reduced. Um, you know, there was, there's a rental crisis going on right now. People are not sure whether or not they're going to pay, pay their rent when the uh, moratorium on evictions uh, goes away. And it will be going away in the fall. People couldn't pay their student loans. Um, and I think... The thing about this pandemic is that oftentimes crisis hits different sectors, but this is probably one of the first times in, in, in decades, like the, the Great Recession and, and the Depression, where it just impacted everybody. If you didn't lose your job, you knew somebody who did or somebody in your family. Um, and we were already, things looked like it was good, right? Because the stock market was roaring. But this pandemic showed us how much this country is divided between the haves and the have-nots. And the haves actually did well during the pandemic. The stock market, after it dipped when it first hit, and then it's been roaring. Um, and so people's retirement portfolios have increased. Um, if you didn't lose your job and you were able to work at home, you reduced your expenses because you couldn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so people were actually able to save and get out of debt. In the ministry we have at First Baptist, we have people who paid off cars and tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt. But then that's the other half of the country that is just, they're not even living paycheck to paycheck, Pastor, because they can't even make it past the one paycheck before mm -hmm. they are in trouble. Wow. 
And so that's that's very concerning to me. Yes, absolutely. You know, people are, you're right, people have been devastated. And um, uh, we see it uh, all around our community. Uh, and it's, it's, it's troubling. It is definitely troubling and concerning. Let me, let me also mention something uh, that I should have said in the introduction of Michelle. Michelle leads uh, a ministry in our church that we call Prosperity Partners. It is a ministry that helps equip and train people on managing your resources. And uh, uh, you don't have to be a member to attend. Uh, she has a every second Saturday, or first Saturday, first Saturday every month. first Saturday mm -hmm. of the month. Uh, what time is it now? They it's noon. At noon. Right. So at noon. Uh, and I th you can uh, capture it uh, online if you don't live in the area, or you can come. Once we open our church back, uh, you're probably starting in October, you'll be able to come physically and sit in on her teachings. They, they are fabulous. She's one of the most fabulous money managers that I know. Matter of fact, she is the best <laughs> out of all of the people that I've encountered. I just salute her because she's fabulous, and she will help you figure out what to do. And so that brings me to the second question. Mm -hmm. Let's say somebody has lost their job and they need to develop a budget of yeah. figuring out how they're going to live. Where should they start? What, what should a person do? They don't have a job. Right. Yeah. Tell me what they should do. So, you know, as I write in the book, here's the thing. And, you know, throughout the year before the pandemic, I was like, pay your bills, do whatever you can, you know, cut your costs. But when you've lost your job, you have to decide who to pay. You, because you can't stretch to everything. And so I talk about how you need to triage your finances. So, Pastor, if you've ever been to an emergency room, like say you sprain your ankle and you're sitting there and you're sitting there for hours, right, waiting to go back. And then somebody comes in behind you and they take them back right away. And you're like, what? wait, what's happening here? But what you don't know is that person's having a heart attack. And so they are critical. Your angle is important, but it's not critical. You have to do the same thing with your bills. So you look at what is going to keep food on the table and the roof over your head. And unfortunately, other things are not going to get paid. And I need to kind of give permit people permission to do that because they try to put a little bit on everything and then everything collapses. So you focus on the necessities. To live. What to you live. need to live. That's right. That's to right. live. And it could also mean not paying your rent or your mortgage, but you must, you must contact your landlords or the banks or the mortgage company. Because what happens is people um, lose their job and have their money and they just, they get paralyzed or they hide or they figure, what's the point in calling? I don't have the money. But you never know the resources that are available. During the pandemic, they were giving foreclosure, um, not foreclosure, but uh, forbearance. So people could take time to pay their mortgage. And now, you know, the, the period in which uh, they can do that is ending. A lot of landlords gave people a pause in their payments, but they don't know if you don't call them right. um, and you just plead them. And this is the other thing. Even before their crisis, you need to be sure that you are a good tenant. You need to be sure that you are paying your bills when you have the money so that when you get in a crisis, you get grace. Yes. You know, I mean, nobody want to help you out of doing a year. You could have paid on time, but you didn't pay on time. Right? <laughs> you always late. And now you come up. You always about late. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I've been a landlord myself and the way I've managed my money, I always had savings. And so I had a tenant who was a single mom. She lost her job and I wasn't going to harass that woman for money. I, she was a good tenant and she was a good person. She was a Christian. And I said, listen, don't even worry about it. In fact, you ain't even got to pay me the back rent. 
because I figured once she got back on her foot, how's she going to make all that up? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but that's because she was a good tenant Stop. and we had a relationship. Stop. You're saying such good things that I want to highlight because this is very, very important. A couple of things. Number one, you have to be in contact with the people that you owe money that's to. Right. Just don't stop paying and and just ignore them. Avoid their calls. You screening the calls, looking at the number yep. that's popping up on the ID of your call ID. No, call them, talk to them, communicate. That's I think right. that's important. And and when you talk about being a landlord, I'm going to add mm-hmm. this in here. I'm telling people if you cannot personally right. afford to make the payments when nobody's in the house, or if they can't pay, if you can't afford to make that payment. You should not be a landlord. Absolutely. You should not be an owner. So a lot of people are right on the edge. And so they, you know, they they buy these properties with the purpose of renting it out. And then when that person can't make that rent, now they stressed out. That's right. And so I want to say, I'm adding this, this is a Pastor Jenkins addition <laughs> to, to Sister Michelle's thing. If you can't afford to make the payments on property that you're renting out, you should get out of the business. Absolutely. You need to sell that if you can't afford to make the payments. That's great. That's that's you're giving such profound thing. Communicate with the people. Let me let me ask this question. So, a lot of people don't know when it comes to debt collection, they don't uh, and people are calling them. They don't know what their key their rights might be. So, once you talk about what the rights might be. Right. for people when the debt collectors are calling them? So there's actually a law, a federal law, that uh, dictates how debtors should treat you, the Fair Debtors Collection Practice Act. You don't have to worry about what it's called, but it's basically a federal law that says they can't just do anything to you. They can't lie to you. They can't keep calling your job. Um, and in fact, lots of times people are calling you and you don't actually own the debt. Um, and so you have a right to say, how do you know that I owe this debt? Because debt is sold again and again. And sometimes after the fifth or seventh time, they don't have any information. They don't know for sure that you even owe this. Lots of people have paid on it and that hasn't followed their record. So you, you have a right to say, what do I owe you? You need to send me that information and proof. Um, if you don't want them to call harass you, you can tell them, please, you can tell them and then send a letter and say, stop calling me. Doesn't mean they, <laughs> they gonna stop collecting that debt, but they can't harass you. They can't curse you out. They can't lie to you. They can't say they're going to sue you if they can't sue you. Like a lot of uh, debts are time barred, meaning they can't actually take you to court to collect that debt. You still owe it, but they can't make you pay it through the courts. And so you need to familiarize yourself with this law. You can go to Federal Trade Commission um, uh, website or ftc.gov and put in debt collection and all of this information will come up about your rights and what they can and cannot do. Um, if, however, you do get a notice from a debtor that they're going to you know, take you to court, please do not ignore that notice. You want to make sure that you call them and start negotiating, you know, a payment plan, perhaps, because the last thing you want them to do is garnish your wages because they can take up to 15 percent. You want to keep control over your money. Um, And so we talked about this already. Please don't ignore people. Please don't ignore notices. You know, take ownership. Uh, And then uh, you'd be surprised how many debtors actually work with you if you call them and you be honest and don't promise what you can't pay. If you really only can pay $50, don't promise $100. do not let them talk you into paying what you can't afford because you're going to fail. Yeah, so, so the point here is negotiate with them a payment plan. That's right. So that they might, you know, a person who's behind or lost their job can say or their income has been drastically changed from what it once was. 
Call them and see how you can negotiate That's right. a plan. That's right. That's it, what she's saying. Yeah, Go and ahead. if you have cash, you can actually, like, say you have $1,000 in debt. Um, if you have, like, $200, you might actually be able to get rid of that debt for that $200 in cash because they're figuring... I got this 200 now. I don't know if I'm going to get that $1,000. <laughs> and they probably bought it for pennies on the dollar anyway. Mm-hmm. What you also don't want to do is do not call those commercials that you see or we can get you out of debt and all those kinds of things. They're going to just charge you thousands of dollars to do what you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. So those debt, co- debt relief companies, don't call them. A lot of them are scams or schemes, meaning they're not going to really do much for you that you can't do for yourself. So just stay away from that. People always looking for a shortcut to get out of, uh, you know, some sort of issue. There is no shortcut. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't take you tomorrow, you know, in two days to get in debt. It's not going to take you two days to get out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, just just be sure that you are not susceptible to the scams. You hear what you hear people say, I can help you and I can reduce this. And that's all you hear. And you don't investigate. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is a recipe for disaster. Amen. Boy, that's that is powerful, profound challenge and information. So I, I want to encourage you to uh, take, take heed to that. And she just has rolled through a series of things that are very critical and important. Negotiate. Call them and see if you can negotiate. Sometimes uh, I want to highlight this that she said because she went past it so fast. <laughs> I don't want you all to miss it. She said, if you owe a certain amount of money but you have less than that, Maybe you can offer what you have to settle that debt. To say, if, if I gave you X numbers, can we settle it? The whole point here is negotiating with your debt. Now, now let me just say biblically, let me just principally say this. We always want to try to pay our debt, whatever we That's owe. Right. And the Bible instructs us to do that. But if you face a crime, I'm not telling people just to do this. Some of y'all got the money and you, uh, you got resources and you got a job. I'm not telling you to just go and call people, start trying to negotiate. We're talking about people who are in crisis, people who've lost their jobs, or you face something that's been devastating. This is what Christians should do, is if you, if you have the money and you can pay it, pay it. Right. Don't be using this as a scheme to get out of making, uh, keeping the promise that you made to pay. But we're saying when you face a crisis, you lost your job, you had some health crisis or whatever, like during this pandemic, here are some things that you can do to consider. So I want to be like that. Right now, let me let me ask you this question, Michelle, because I think this is important, because sometimes people don't recognize um, or even consider certain things that they really can do without. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the saints of God think they have to have a cable. Right. Or they have to have a HBO or they got to have um, Disney Plus or all these things that they feel like they have to have. Let's spend a few moments and highlight some of these things that you don't really have to have. Yeah. And you can save some money when you're in a crisis. Let's talk about some of those yeah, things. Yeah, so those are the little things, you know, um, cable and shopping a lot. I mean, eating out. When I look at people's budget and I look at hundreds of people's budgets, the top items are usually their, their mortgage or their rent. The car that you drive, y'all drive, y'all driving y'all wealth away. Y'all are just crazy. All this money y'all put in transportation. Stop right there. Hold on. Let's talk about a car for a second. I'm sorry. You, you hitting something. People go out and buy brand new cars that, that they sometimes can't afford. And people don't realize the moment you drive off the, the lot of a brand new, with a brand new car, the moment you hit the highway, that car has lost two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000. It yeah. is now worth less 
than the debt that you have just accumulated on that car. That's right. A new car can lose its value in the first year 20 to 30 percent. Wow. So you start off right away from from that. So most people should buy, you know, used Used cars cars. or new to you cars. New to you you cars. Absolutely. Um, And and then, you know, and then keep the car. Keep it. My husband and I keep our cars (laughs) until we're on a first name basis with the local tow truck drivers. Like we, you you (laughs) see, you have seen my car, (laughs) Pastor. It's crazy looking. But, you know, and I don't care. And here's a woman who can afford a brand new car. With cash. But she doesn't. Nope. Because she's putting her money other places, more valuable. The car, uh, a hoopty will get you to the same location that a brand new car will. That's right. And when you park it and go in, nobody know you drove it for the hoopty. (laughs) (laughs) At this church, somebody put a a business card from a dealership on my car. It's if that's going to embarrass me. (laughs) I don't care. You know, and we've been teaching our children that we um, we bought little used cars for our kids. And so my my oldest, who's now working, she has decided because we teach them she's never going to have a car payment in her life. And how is she's never going to have a car payment? Because she's keeping the car that we bought her when she was a teenager. So it's now it's like 10 years old and she is saving for that car for cash. She's going to take about four years. And when she does that, she'll pay it off. She'll take that money that she saved, continue to save it, keep that car for another 10 years. So the next car she needs, she'll pay cash. So my child, my children will never have a car payment their entire adult life. Because that's how we've taught. That's a game changer. It's a game changer. So watch what you're spending on transportation. Um, You know, definitely don't lease a car. My goodness, that's crazy. Um, And then, you know, look at where you're living. You and I have talked about this quite a bit, Pastor. I'm on a mission to get young adults to stay home as long as possible to save on rent. My kids, my kids are hearing this. They live there. I'm trying to get them out of there. I, I know, right? We actually begged our oldest to come back and live with us. And she wasn't feeling it because people can already tell how I'm a little crazy and she didn't want to do that. But but if we showed her how much rent costs and all the expenses and she said, why don't you stay and save that? And I'm talking not a couple of years, like five or six or seven years. If she took all of her salary for that period of time. When she's ready to go out, she will be able to buy her house, even in the the D.C., Washington area, for cash or close to cash. Mm -hmm. That's a game changer. Absolutely. And we're only talking in her early 30s, so 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s with no mortgage, no rent. Oh, huge. That's huge. huge. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to encourage people to have multi-generational housing. Or if that's not possible, you know, rent with a, two single moms or dads living together to, to cut down on the cost of housing. Everybody can't have their own place. Yes. It's not sustainable. Stick a pin in this point right here because this, too, is one of those critical things for young people. I want all the young people to hear me today. Um, if you have an opportunity... To, to live at home, if you have the opportunity not to pay rent. Here's what this argument is. The argument is paying rent. This is the challenge because uh, many of you have heard me talk about this on a thousand occasions. When I, uh, six months before I got married, I went and bought a, a, a home for me and First Lady. Uh, I lived in it for six months before we got married. One of my friends rented an apartment. He got married a couple years before me. And uh, at the end of his five years of uh, first five years of being married, he packed up his furniture and his receipts Mm -hmm. 
of his, more, of his rent and moved to the next apartment, next rental place. At the end of my five years, I sold my house and took the equity that I gained and bought a new house, right. went to another house. I had, I had gained equity. So the challenge is, and my, and my kids, have, uh, most of them have learned this now, they recognize the value of a home. Right. The, the way you really accumulate wealth, one of the ways that African-Americans accumulate wealth is through home ownership. That's right. So, uh, uh, and can I also say, Pastor, we need to stop characterizing young adults who choose to live at home and are doing it productively, like they're saving, they're not just sort of fritting their money away, as if somehow they're financial failure. Right. You know, like we'll say, oh, you're living at home and you're 30, you know, right. you, you talk about them in a detrimental way. Um, we gotta and I am guilty of that. I apologize <laughs> to all of y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, if they're being productive, like they're doing what they're supposed to do. Now, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, then right. you do need to let them That's go right. and That's learn, right. Right? right? But if your kid has a whole bunch of student loan debt and they're and you and you have to watch them and look at the receipts like you have to show us stuff. My daughter has to show us stuff. So we said we're not going to charge you rent. We're not going to make you pay for food. But we want to make sure that you're saving for that car that you say we make sure you're saving for that house you save. And then that's OK, because we don't need to rent money. But we need to stop characterizing them as somebody's your favorite. They turn 18 and we say, you know, you got to go out and be responsible. They can be responsible within your doors, Absolutely. you know, and, and you can negotiate how to live together as adults, yeah. you know. And I just I feel I just feel so strongly about that because a lot of times when we talk about personal finance, we do talk about cable and expensive coffee and things like that. But that is not what's going to get you to prosperity. It's the big things, the car. Um, I mean, I looked at how much people spend on cars and, you know, I mean, just tens of thousands of dollars that is not building your wealth. Absolutely. And, and, and unfortunately, um, you're trying to impress people who don't like you anyway. Right. That's, a, that's exactly <laughs> if, right. If, 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 if somebody's going to like me because of the car I drive, that's such a shallow reason to like a person. I don't even want to be in a relationship with somebody who measures my value to them based right. on the car that I drive. That's right. That's right. So you, you need to pick your friends a little bit carefully. Michelle, we have run out of time. Oh, my gosh. You can't. No way. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh! And I'm I'm so grateful. Matter of fact, will you come back next Sunday? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Let's do another. Let's we'll, we'll pick up, and I'm gonna do two weeks with her, uh, which is exciting. I'm thrilled to have her come, and we'll pick up next week. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. We must financially prepare for seasons of plenty and seasons of lack. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.